Um, but let me check my microphone. Just uh, double check. Maybe it's really low. How's that? Oh, that's better. Oh, okay. I, th I think I just had it really low. Yeah, I think it was just low. But let me talk really loud and see how loud it gets. That's a little too loud. See, the real test is me laughing. <laughs> That's a loud laugh right there. I know. There's nothing I can do about it, man. It's just, it's just who I am. <laughs> okay, I think we're ready to go. Let's get started. All right. I'm Lamont. Have you bought a Lamont and Leia sticker yet? And I'm Leia. Have you followed us on TikTok yet? And you're tuning into the, the Lamont, Lamont and Leia podcast. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. So uh, we are in the second half of no june yeah we're in the second half of june and Lamont needs it, a calendar <laughs> but it is national on uh, men's national health month i guess june is men men's national national health. men's health month okay <laughs> um but something that stood out since we're still in pride month mm -hmm. is june 27th national hiv testing day so if you're going to a pride or if you've gone to a pride hopefully you can got hopefully you could have gotten tested there and if you're going to some later on hopefully you can get tested there um get tested and know your status june 30 is social media and blink 182 day yep that brings us True hair, true. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> I met a girl around, at a rock show. That brings us around to July 2nd, which, which is I Forgot Day and World UFO Day. So, Wait, you forgot day as in like you forgot what the day is or that's what it's called? That's what it's called. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> so, Leia, do you want to let our audience know what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, sure. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking about something that is a little close to home. Uh, we are going to be talking about Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, I think I mentioned it in, I don't remember what episode. I mentioned it a few episodes ago uh, that my mom does have dementia. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to learn about it, what it is, and more importantly, uh, some preventative measures that we can take to hopefully either postpone it or prevent it. Um, I know that Alzheimer's and dementia runs in my family. I know that it runs in Patrick's family. So both of us are at risk of that. Um, I don't know, Lamont. Do you know if that runs in your family at all? Um, I do not know if it runs in my family. I can tell you that my grandma's old 
right now and we haven't seen any signs but then there's a whole family that i don't even know of mm. actually actually my grandfather leia has been contacting me he's old mm -hmm. and he seems to have his wits about him so it may not run in my family Maybe. but from what i learned like mm. there could be a lot of brain destruction so it may not even be like genetic like there's things you can do that may cause it and mm -hmm. things you can do to prevent it yeah uh so i know that it took us a little bit but you were actually able to find us a guest today that's going to be super helpful who we got so we got dr carolina orsario mm -hmm. from loma linda university um, so I'm excited to meet her because I've never met her. We've only texted. Um, meet her, talk with her. She's excited about this topic. Um, it's going to be a great conversation. I feel it in my bones. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go get our guest and let's get started. All right. Welcome, Dr. Osario, and thank you for joining us on the Lamont and Leia podcast. I am super excited to be here and thank you so much for your invitation. Would you please take a moment to introduce yourself to our listener and viewer audience? Absolutely. So um, um, I go at work by Dr. Osorio. My first name is Carolina. I am originally from Colombia and South America. Um, I did med school there and then I came here to the United States. Um, I did my residency in psychiatry at Loma Linda University. And then I went to UCLA to do a fellowship in geriatric psychiatry. Um, after that, I worked for Kaiser for two years, and then I came back to Loma Linda, where I stayed for almost 10 years, um, doing mainly geriatric psychiatry care. So I have like a lot of experience, you know, with patients who are, um, you know, have the whole spectrum of, you know, illnesses that can affect an older adult. Mm -hmm. Very, Very cool. cool. Yeah. Very cool. And if you are interested in psychiatry, you can always check out our episode from the first season where we had Dr. Thomas um, um, join us wow, and talk about cool. psychiatry. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. All right. So, Leah, would you like to jumpstart us into the main topic? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um... I'm not sure if everyone is aware of this, but June is Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month, which is why we are talking about our subject uh, this month. But uh, there might be people who are listening or watching our show today going, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I've heard of it like on a TV or something, but I've never like I don't know exactly what it is. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about what Alzheimer's and dementia are? Right. Yeah, that's a really great question because a lot of the times uh, these two terms are confused. Mm -hmm. So the the first thing I want to mention is the word dementia. So dementia is a syndrome and there are many, many medical problems that can lead an individual to develop this syndrome that is mm -hmm. called dementia. Mm. So dementia basically is um, a deficit or a decline in someone's cognitive abilities that eventually will lead to that person to be unable to function at the level they used to live. Mm -hmm. So Alzheimer's being the most common one and the one that we know mostly across, you know, um, states and uh, probably across the world is a disease of the brain. 
where you have some, uh, there are two phenomenons occurring. There is some abnormal proteins that are accumulating in the brain. Mm. And also there is death cell that happens at a faster speed and it causes an aggregation or a production of another uh, substrate called tau protein. So the ones that accumulates are, are called beta amyloid proteins. Mm -hmm. And the ones that occur after death cell are called tau proteins. So I know this sounds very medically, but these are like the two typical, like, like on terms of diagnosis that really gears towards Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's disease, um, so nowadays, because medicine has advanced so much, there are centers that can actually diagnose Alzheimer's disease before it becomes dementia. Okay, okay. So where people um, can have like, either have early symptoms, but not having dementia, mm -hmm. or they just have genetic markers that will pro, uh, gives a prognosis that down the road the person can develop mm -hmm. dementia so alzheimer's itself um, what it happens is that people have trouble with their memory mm -hmm. but not all of the dementias comes with memory problems mm -hmm. so there mm -hmm. are other types of dementias for example vascular dementia so people that have like poorly controlled diabetes and high blood pressure mm -hmm. They're causing like these really tiny, um, we call them micro ischemic vascular changes in the brain. And then eventually with time, it can cause cognitive problems that can worsen with time. And then your level of function declines and then you develop what is called vascular dementia. Early on in the vascular dementia, you may or may not see memory problems. Hmm. The other ones that are also, um, the, so the most common ones are Alzheimer's. There's vascular. There is another one called frontotemporal dementia. Okay. Frontotemporal dementia is totally different. And patients who develop this type of dementia, what is really impaired from the beginning is their social skills. Okay. So these are the people who probably were very loving, very caring, and now they're hitting their dogs, cursing at the wife, but they might have perfectly contact memory. Hmm. So that would be the frontotemporal. And then the other one that is relatively common is something that we call Lewy body disease. Um, Lewy body disease also with time, it can turn into a dementia. And then um, for Lewy body disease, the most common cognitive problem, the first one that occurs is changes in, in the visual spatial area. So these individuals, are going to enter a place and they may feel very confused and disoriented, but their memory is going to be intact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they have other different symptoms that are also present like psychiatry symptoms. Like these people can have what we call visual hallucinations. Um, and so, you know, if you have any symptom that is new, any, any problem with your cognition that is new, you definitely need to go see a doctor because you need to be diagnosed properly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is dementia genetically based only or can anyone so, get dementia? So anyone, so that's a, that's a great question. Actually, I wanted to touch on this. So Alzheimer's, for example, there's two types of Alzheimer's. There is early onset Alzheimer's, which is genetic, is genetic, mm. but it's incredibly rare. 
So these are people who actually start having symptoms in their early 30s and 40s, um, but they, there is a genetic component, mm -hmm. okay? So um, if, let's say, I develop early onset Alzheimer's when I am 40s, and if I have a child, my child have a 50% chance of also getting that disease. But the most common Alzheimer's that we have, the vast majority of people, if they get Alzheimer's, what they're going to have is what we call a sporadic Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily a genetic component. And this one is the one who cures later in life. Like we say 65 and older. Yeah. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. I First 15 minutes <laughs> have learned so much. I guess like, so... Um, I don't know if Lamont has shared with you, but my mom actually does have dementia, which is why oh, I wanted to talk about this subject. Absolutely. Um, so I guess pre-looking into this after, mm -hmm. you know, my, my mom started showing symptoms, mm -hmm. I guess it had never occurred to me that it was like a physical thing that was happening inside here. Because exactly. I guess when people think like a cognitive ability, I don't think they put like physical thing happening versus just like forgetfulness I, like right. <laughs> um yeah. no it's very true yeah you know and and cognition it's um is very important i mean it's so everything that we do in life like the way how we move our, like for example you wake up you make a cup of hot tea you brush your teeth you take a shower you put your clothes and you leave we are so good at doing this so automatically that every single movement that we do, we take for granted, right? Because we're not right. thinking about these things. Right. But when you develop a dementia, when it's really advanced, people will forget how to hold a toothbrush and brush their teeth. Mm -hmm. So they will hold a toothbrush and maybe they will brush their forehead hmm. because that cognition of, of your brain executing that movement is impaired. Yeah. Okay. So it is like inside your head, but in reality, it's like doing everything outside for you. Yeah. So you don't see like, for example, when you have like, you know, you break your bone or you have a cut, there's nothing that you see. Yeah. But the effects are really, really serious. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So <laughs> if like, say like if I was taking care of someone, that had dementia and they were trying to brush their forehead versus their teeth mm -hmm. how would i interact with them to make it a like peaceful transition right um so for people with dementia that the gold standard management is what we call non-pharmacological behavioral interventions so we really want to avoid at all cost medications because we know these medications are only when the individual is having symptoms that are putting their lives at risk mm -hmm. or the life of others. For example, if someone is very combative, hitting people, then maybe we need to try something, but we can avoid a lot of that by doing these non-pharmacological interventions. So if you have some, so there is a lot of very important tips on this area of the non-pharmacological intervention. So when we have a loved one who has dementia, there is an emotional attachment, right? And we know these people for many years. So it is normal for us that our first reaction is actually gonna be the worst reaction to have with them. Oh. So we're gonna say, oh, but you're doing it wrong. Don't do that. It has to mm -hmm. go on your teeth, 
right? Because, you know, we have seen them for years knowing how to brush their teeth. But what you really want to do is you want to distract them from whatever they're doing. So, for example, you can say, um, hey, mom, here, here, let me give you this. So you distract them from the movement and you can remove the toothbrush and then you redirect them to do something differently. So the same thing happens when they, for example, um, let's say they have a doctor's appointment today and you're like, mom, get ready. We're going to a doctor appointment. What doctor appointment? The first reaction, mom, I told you yesterday we had mm -hmm. a doctor appointment today. You need to get ready. So this disease has, unfortunately, there's no treatment. We cannot reverse it. It is going to progress. So we need to help them not to get agitated. And also a lot of them have insight and they kind of know that there's something wrong and they can feel, start building um, feelings of shame, you know? Mm -hmm. So if they forget, they you just basically said, oh yeah, mom, hey, by the way, we have a doctor's appointment today, even if you told them the day before. You yeah. just want to repeat it like it's the very first time you're telling them that. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, I just kind of want to go back to the brush, um, teeth brushing thing because I'm thinking like I work in um, mental health and yes. um, I work in like with children K through 12. And okay. so like I, feel, I find myself teaching kids basic things all the time. Yes. So I'm wondering, is it just another case of like, oh, you're brushing your, like, no, like, hey, that's a different way of doing it. How about we try it this way and I model for them? Yes, you can, you can also do, you can also do that and see how that works. So, so I think what is important to keep in mind is um, not to like, um, it's just you want to redirect it in a way that is positive, right? And also remember that, it, that it's always a new thing for them. It's a new thing. They never done it before. They're brushing their forehead. This is the very first time. So if it happens the next day, then you're going to approach it the very same way you did it the day before. Mm -hmm. Because for them, it's new all over again. So you can do that, see how that works. Um, and um, yeah, you want to think, you know, um, like, you know, maybe you're like, you're going to teach a kid for the very first time doing something. That's yeah. a very valid way to do it as well. Yeah. Awesome. I, ha I have found that using some techniques that I use, like with my younger siblings, mm -hmm. also is effective in, you know, trying to yeah. get her to do things. Right. Know, eat, get dressed. You know, like other that. things, for example, um, I have a very commonly in my practice is I would have like, um, for example, the husband would bring the wife and said, oh, every time around 3 p.m. she wants to go home. Mm. And I tell her, we are home. This is our home. So, um, you know, I have to educate them and tell them, well, when she says that, what you can do is you can go and take her on a car ride and tell her, okay, let's go home. And then you can drive around the block and then you can come home. So that way you're distracting, you're redirecting, or you're not like, you know, trying to force them to come into your reality because that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been very interesting. <laughs> I will say. Um so I guess in in the same like topic of like treatments. Um I know that there I have an uncle who also um you know is also having like early signs and mm -hmm. stuff and he has started on some medication and mm -hmm. it has seemed to help like he still has mm -hmm. little 
memory blips here and there, but he seems to be functioning without too much trouble. Good, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like... So, if... um, of course, you know, you want to consult with your doctor, right, when things happen. So there are, so there's many different kinds of medications depending, um, depending on what the person is experiencing. So there are medications that are specific for the dementia, there are medications that can be given, especially like early. Mm -hmm. uh, these medications that are for the Alzheimer's dementia, particularly, they um, they're not going to cure or stop the illness. Uh, basically, what it does it is kind of a slows down the progression mm -hmm. by a by a few months. Um, and so there is a lot of different schools of thought on regards of these medications. Um, a lot of doctors, when the disease is pretty advanced, they don't, well, they try to avoid them because they do have side effects and they're not going to do much more for the individual. Um, usually when they're in the mild to moderate stages is when um, a doctor can place a patient on one of these medications. And if it's helping and you're not having side effect, then it's always a good thing to have, right? You want to use as many things to make um, that your life as, you know, less symptomatic or more um, or more like able to function at a good level, if you will. Mm -hmm. But there are also, also medications that are like hardcore medications, depending like if they're agitated. A lot of the times patients, when they have dementia, they, they hallucinate, they become psychotic. Um, and also people with dementia can get depressed. And so mm -hmm. you know, depending on those symptoms, then you treat accordingly. Yeah, that that's something that we're experiencing, <laughs> which is, yeah, it it's crazy. Like from personal experience, it's very, very shocking how different the person can become. Like, um, like, yeah, like we're dealing with like, uh, like a lot of very like, ag like constantly agitated. I mean, my mom, you, you never met her, but she, she had a short fuse. We already knew that, but yeah. it's different instead of it being like, Oh, why'd you do that? Now it's more of just like, just like very, like the whole world is come like falling apart because this one little thing has happened. So yeah. it's yeah. taken, it's taken us like a little like getting used to and stuff because yeah. it's just like completely different. It's <laughs> very different. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and in some cases when they have this illness, their personality traits get magnified. Yes. So if you are a very happy go lucky, then they become super chill. If there's people who are high angst type a and anxious, like I am, Maybe if I get it, I'm going to be like, boom, super anxiety prone. Um, and then if you have issues with, you know, anger, temper, frustration, then that also magnifies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like not to put my family on blast too much, but um, <laughs> my mom was always very like, how do I say? She liked, she liked stuff. She's, I wouldn't say materialistic in like a bad yeah. way, but she enjoyed things. She liked having nice yeah. things and sure. everything. And that kind of has progressed into more of just like um, almost a paranoia of people taking her things. Yes, this is very common. This <laughs> yeah, is very common. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so like similarly to that, what are some little things that people could look for? 
like besides just like your typical like you would think like oh they're forgetting things or oh they're acting different or oh they're brushing their forehead like we were talking about earlier like what are some other signs that people could look for in their loved ones um that they should maybe like be concerned about like you know go see a doctor or something yeah so i mean um like i said changes in personality right like mm -hmm. for example um your um let's say your brother has them i mean you're, you're worried about your brother because now your brother um he's having a lot of issues at work he's okay. screaming at people um there's been a lot of complaints because he's not performing right so that should be an alarm to you yeah because there are dimensions, like I mentioned, that presents with personality changes. Mm -hmm. Another thing that this can present is with OCD kind of symptoms. So let's say your family or your friend or whoever it is suddenly starts collecting things that they never did in their lives, or they suddenly start smoking cigarettes mm -hmm. where they used to be totally against cigarette smoking. Um, I had a patient who that very early signs um was that he was never in his life drank sodas and he would have like a 12 pack of soda every single day and he was like out of nowhere so yeah. those changes in personality those weird behaviors that you're like this is not that person mm -hmm. definitely should be a red flag um yeah. and then the most common ones right like forgetting um someone um i think one of the very red flags is trouble driving you know, mm. someone that was used to drive perfectly yeah. fine now is like getting on the wrong road or, you know, um, may maybe they r run a red light or, you know, maybe they're crashing more frequently. All of those things, when it comes to driving, it really should be a red flag. Yeah, that one mm -hmm. was um, for my uncle. <laughs> um, I forget, like, he was just driving. It was perfectly fine. Then all of a sudden he just decided to drive on, like, the shoulder. And they're just like... Yes yeah <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> exactly um, that's yeah. a red flag yeah yeah actually the one you you said earlier reminded me of something i saw on tiktok we love tiktok around here oh me too i love um, it. <laughs> yeah um the collecting of things that aren't normal um mm -hmm. there's actually a video of this girl she's like yeah my grandma started doing this weird thing where she collects like rugs and she was mm -hmm. showing us mm -hmm. she's showing everyone all the rugs and i was mm -hmm. like i messaged her i was like girl like take her grandma i haven't checked in to see like if she did anything but i was like take her to the doctor see if you can get her to go because like if this is like new within the last yeah. like two or three years she said like that could be very like that could mean something it yeah. can mean something. absolutely yeah 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 and it's always good to get regular checkups and stuff yeah yeah um so i like I know like a lot of people are forgetful. I'm forgetful. Sometimes I have a hard time tracing my steps if I lose my key or wallet, but I still have the ability to like eventually chase my steps and find them, even <laughs> though it might be hard and frustrating at, at one point. Um, does it show up differently for people with dementia or um, Alzheimer's? Yeah, so, okay. So forgetfulness is very common across you know any age um we live in a very fast-paced society and culture mm -hmm. so we tend to have poor focus and attention and 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 a lot of us are going to have I, I mean i always have problems like i forget where i put my keys all the time <laughs> um and that's you know so those are so 
people usually start worrying when they are like on their 60s and up they're like oh i'm having difficulty finding words or i'm misplacing things um but there are so the, and and then if 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 there is really a concern i always say just talk to your doctor because the doctor can do like a really quick screening test and say okay maybe this is just like age appropriate maybe yeah. you just need to do this or that or hey let's do more workup because i'm concerned about it but there mm -hmm. are things that um that are concerning like for example not paying the bills right, right. So, I mean, okay. I don't think Lamont that you would like, if you forget to pay a bill, you're going to be on top of that next month. Right. Right. Um, but you're Which not going to actually has happened. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, but you're not going to just like stop paying your bills yeah. right. and month after month. And then you just go into collections. Yeah. So that's that, concerning. That was one that we experienced. Like mm. some bills weren't paid and then others were double paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is very typical yes so we, we had a nice credit on one of our bills <laughs> like, yeah. i was like can i have some of that back to pay the other ones <laughs> Wait, no. like most bills don't i know but yeah. i i wished <laughs> and then another thing is for example um forgetting your close people like oh who are you i don't remember you mm right mm -hmm. that's like i mean not someone that you see once a year but like someone you're constantly in contact with yeah. and now you remember them or it takes you like um it takes you not i mean like i have for example i remember one time i had a patient who came for an evaluation because she um would had periods where she wouldn't remember her son name mm -hmm um it's not like oh i forgot oh i forgot your name oh no no hold on i got it no it's like she wouldn't remember the name for a few days and then even the husband will say well the name is john and she's like john i don't remember his name being john mm -hmm. so that's really serious yeah for sure yeah I think but you know every time people get to older age you know 60 usually it is and and, and and sure, I mean, we all are going to worry because we know is that at that time where we have more likely to develop this disease. So mm -hmm. people are going to worry about it. Yeah. I think in our case, we all got new names. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, we all, we all, got, we all got new names. Mm. <laughs> so it was slight, like, one thing I would have to say for people who um, either are going through this or may down the line have to go through this sometimes you just gotta like chuckle at things you do uh, yes. yeah <laughs> you said it very well because you know it is very hard it is one for me is one of the most difficult diseases um mm -hmm. especially as a caregiver to mm -hmm. go through um it's very painful it's very difficult to 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 adjust, you know, uh, you know, as the disease progress, you're always are going to need to adjust to it. Mm -hmm. And I always tell, you know, I, I have conversations with my patients and I say, look, I am the expert. I am telling you what to do, but I promise you that if my husband had dementia, I wouldn't be able to manage mm -hmm. because it becomes emotionally connected. It becomes personal. Yeah. So that, yeah laughing at little things has kind of been our way of getting yes. through it <laughs> yeah and and, it, and it's like in mental health and psychology um we all the humans we have something called defense mechanisms 
um, to protect ourselves from pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. And actually humor is considered a mature defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. okay. So it's, it's very important to have it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Lamont, if you ever want to trip up Kavika, you can just call him Gregory. Why? I don't know. That's is that just, what your mom's calling him? Yeah. That, that's okay. what his, that's his new name. All right, cool. <laughs> we don't know who Gregory is. <laughs> but that's his new name. That's his new name. Right. And then um, I think your younger brother's the boy, right? The boy. The boy. Um, she's yeah. Maple. She's called herself Maple. Oh, cool. Well, not cool, but like. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, um, you know, and I think this is exactly how we should, you know, mm -hmm. address work through these, um, cope with it, you know, uh, because you cannot correct them. It's impossible. Yeah. Just, we have to tell ourselves their brain is sick. Their brain is ill, mm -hmm. right? There's no way we can correct them. There's no way they can remember. Um, and then we just try to go into their world. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, let's see. Lamont, did you have... Did you have any other things that you wanted to touch on? Because I think we should probably take a break and then yeah. I'm going to come back and then talk about um, maybe some like prevention or yes. something, what we can do. Yeah, so let's let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about um, prevention and ways to like combat this. Okay. Things that we can do. Awesome. So we'll be right back. And we're back. So... Um, really quick, before we talk about prevention, um, can this disease be seen early by early screenings? By early screenings? Um, like, um, so there is, you know, there, we, there is no, um, there is not a consensus saying that, uh, older people should be screened like regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, they should only be screened if there is a concern, if there is a symptom that is mm -hmm. concerning. Uh, because they uh, did, you know, they did some research and they found that, um, you know, like re ongoing regular screening is actually not any effective. Mm. So, um, again, you know, if you or your loved one have symptoms, then the doctor can do, um, they, we have different screenings that we can do in the office um, to, you know, evaluate your cognition. If there is any concern, right, it's like, oh, you're screening is kind of not very clear. You can always refer them out to uh, psychologists that is specialized on cognitive testing mm -hmm. and they can do a full battery and then um, they can come with a diagnosis. So before actually a lot of people before getting like into, so like remember I said, dementia has to be cognitive deficits with a decline of level of functioning. Mm -hmm. Before that happens, a lot of people can go into something called mild cognitive disorder. Mm -hmm. So mild or mild neurocognitive disorder is when people have cognitive deficits, but they're not, they have not declined in the level of functioning. Mm -hmm. So a, a, a test can detect my, uh, mild neurocognitive disorder. And this is really very important because you can do things to help either that progression, either you could even reverse the progression. There are, you know, we, we know that that can happen. So if you get diagnosed with an mild neurocognitive disorder, it's 
a lot of things we can do from that point, from that standpoint. But once you have dementia, then, you know, there's really nothing much we can do about it. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's a really good um, lead in. But uh, I just, something, I'm I'm just going to go back and say, we were talking about this over the break. Um, There was some, a point that we missed. And since you mentioned, you know, the decline, Mm -hmm. um, I just, something that we had seen with my mom uh, Mm -hmm. during like the, pandemic when we were all like you know isolating and no one was really going anywhere that is where we saw her greatest like decline in Mm -hmm. like her cognitive abilities um so yeah like uh really like social interaction and keeping up with um yeah your interactions with people your relationships and keeping active doing things mentally um those things are pretty useful (laughs) at keeping all this stuff up here working right yeah um so um what you're saying it's it it actually yeah so covid took away um the ability to interact and socialize and be around people and when we socialize is when we are using when we our brain is mostly active Mm -hmm. because when you're socializing you are like paying attention to social cues, verbal cues, um, you're interacting with people, um, you are moving, and all of those things we use as a way of combating, as a way of preventing dementia. Mm -hmm. So with COVID, someone who already has a disease and they have no mental stimulation, all what I did was speed up the progression of this. Yeah. Was that something that you saw um, yes, I, I, I did see, I did see that in my office. I, um, I, and, and not only on patients with dementia, but also older adults who, um, you know, had maybe depression or anxiety, they would, you know, share with me that they noticed that they were not as sharp as they used mm. to be, that things will take them more time to do. And so, um, we, you know, this is more like a clinical observation Mm -hmm. that definitely COVID really had a really negative effect, you know, on the cognition of older people. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I guess that's one good point to um, hopefully move into our, like our prevention sort of section that we want to talk about, but um, staying active, right? Staying social, um, having hobbies. That was one thing. Yeah. Having hobbies, keeping, keeping that mind sharp and active. Um, so what are some other things that people can do to hopefully keep their brain working and going strong? Yeah. So, um, we want to say that in regardless of your age, you always should start incorporating things that are for brain health. And what is fascinating is whatever you do for brain health is also good for your heart. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, there is a lot of um, similarities between the things that protect your heart and your brain. So physical activity is very important. Um, And actually the World Health Organization came with some guidelines, um, you know, to uh, combat this huge problem that we're seeing globally. cognitive problems and dementia. So one of the things is physical activity. Um, And they, you know, even like 
for example, I would have people who will come to my office and said, well, you know, how can I do that? Um, I don't want to just like go to the gym and I say, no, hold on. So there's two things. There's physical activity and there is exercise. Mm -hmm. Exercise is a set time that you're going to dedicate with a specific protocol of activities to achieve a goal, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say I am going to run 30 minutes five times a day because I want to run a half marathon in six months. So I'm going to do exercise. Um, Now, physical activity, it all means moving your body, okay? So moving your body can be gardening, can be going for a walk, but we need to uh, start somewhere and from there build up. So I have found that wearing Fitbits or anything that can help you track your physical activity is super helpful because then you know your baseline and then you can build from there. So um, I used to be very sedentary person. um, And I, when I got my Fitbit, I was doing about 1500 to 2000 max steps a day. Mm -hmm. So I learned that that was my baseline. And then every week I would like maybe add a couple extra steps a day. And then I finally build it up until I'm doing an average of 7,000 steps a day. But my goal really is to reach 10,000 steps a day. Uh, Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't. And it's okay. But I have improved from my baseline. And this is what I tell everyone. You don't have to go to the gym and, you know, like do these horrible workouts. No, you just have to move your body. Find things that you enjoy that are going to help you move your body. Um, The other thing is um, that tracking, you know, kind of gives you like, oh my God, I'm getting better, right? Like that Mm -hmm. feeling of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that is very good. Um, So I think a lot of people are just a little bit more scared when you hear the word physical activity. Right, right. It doesn't have to be like that. Now, there's this new saying and it says, um, sitting is the new smoking. Because the reality is that we spend so much time sitting that we're not moving our bodies. And this is what is causing all these problems with, you know, with health, um, with, you know, gaining weight and developing diabetes and developing high blood pressure. And we know that those two starting a midlife are culprits for down the road to develop dementia. So, um, that is why also tracking your steps is very important because Even if you go one hour to the gym three times a week and you're sitting the rest of the week, Mm -hmm. you're not doing really anything. So um, counting your steps on a daily basis is probably the most effective way to go. Yeah. Um, Exercise is so important. So important to health in general. Our bodies are literally made to move. And our brain needs daily movement to keep itself. Yes, yes. So when you're moving your body, all those connections in your brain, you know, are working really hard. And um, that is definitely wonderful for the brain. I know for me, I always use exercise. Um, I'm trying to get like a nicer body. (laughs) It's coming very, very, very slowly. But um, also I really use it for, to improve my emotional state. Cause I take in so much with the little kids and some of these little kids have like really, really hard lives. So I know like by exercising, I can show up the next day and be there for them. And so there's, there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of benefits in movement and exercise. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I exercise for me, um, because I do have risk factors, but also because, uh, you know, my work is very stressful and I can release a lot of tension when I, you know, do these things. And, um, sometimes I'm like, I, I like, I hate it. I don't want to do it. And then I go and I do it and I'm like, I'm so glad I did it. It feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the, the daily, the yeah. daily argument with yeah. it's the daily fight in your head, but you know, and again, we all are different stages and we all do the best we can, you know, as long as we have that as a goal and something that we can work on some days, you're going to do it wonderful. And if you don't do it, one day, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. So we got socializing. We got mm -hmm. doing stuff to keep your mind sharp. We got uh, making movement. What else can we do? Um, Let's talk about diet. Yes. Mm. So food, nutrition, right? So I, yeah. I, I like to say the word nutrition. Okay. Uh, because the word diet can, um, you know, people, oh, I'm on a diet, right? It has like a negative... Um, so how are <laughs> yes how are we going to nourish our body mm -hmm. so nutritional interventions um so in reality plant-based plant-based nutrition is really the gold standard but a lot of people were not born and raised with this way of eating and so it becomes very difficult for them mm -hmm. and so um if you really cannot be plant-based the next best intervention is the mediterranean diet Okay. And, um, actually, um, so Mediterranean diet basically is like a lot of um, vegetables. Um, you have some fish, um, some, you know, meat, but very limited meat, a lot of grains, um, lots of olive oil. And it is a very effective way of nourishing your body to prevent long-term, you know, consequences. Again, diabetes, hypertension, dementia, um, and so it is also very recommended across different fields in medicine is the Mediterranean diet. All right. So I heard green leafies, I heard omega-3 fatty acids, and yeah. I heard olive oil. Yeah. What are the benefits of olive oil? So olive oil, um, it's really good because it helps with a lot of different um, things you know, mechanisms in your brain is a good oil. So people think that fat is bad, but not all fats are bad. Mm -hmm. So olive oil and avocado oil are actually very good for you on terms of the fats that your body needs, you know, in order to produce energy and things like that. Um, what I was gonna say about the um, olive oil, the avocado oil. Um, there are, you know, okay, so there are, and these are not, pro-inflammatory oils there is the problem with a lot of oils is that they they can produce cause inflammation if you consume them mm -hmm. um you know a lot um and so at the end of the day when it comes to nutrition at the end of the day what you really 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 want to avoid are processed foods because processed foods are so pro-inflammatory mm -hmm. um they cause havoc on your insulin and your blood sugar levels Mm -hmm. um, and it's pretty fascinating because even there are foods out there that we think are healthy, but if you pay close attention, they're not really necessarily healthy. So when you go to buy food in the store, 
my best advice is to read at the list of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. If they have a whole bunch of weird ingredients and weird names, that's probably not something good. Um, and if they just have like very limited ingredients, um, you know, mainly like whole foods, then that could be a good thing to eat. But the processed foods are, are really, really, um, really bad. And and we say that in America, our diet is called the SAD diet for the standardized American diet, um, where it's like literally processed foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like, I did a little bit of research um, to prepare for the subject and I was telling my, my significant that hey, like we need to change our diet, like absolutely right away, 100%, because we are not living our healthiest or best lives and we can totally do better. Um, What do you think about berries? Berries are, they um, have something called polyphenols that are very, very healthy, very important for your body. So berry and berries also have what we call a low glycemic index. Mm -hmm. So meaning that it doesn't shoot your insulin and your blood uh, sugars up like in peaks. So it just Mm -hmm. keeps them very nice and stable. So berries are super healthy. I always try to eat berries. So my two fruits for me that I use on a daily basis are, are berries and also an apple. Um, Apples um, have a component called quercetin, which also is very important for your body, for your immune system and for inflammation. Mm -hmm. so those are two good fruits to have every day so that's saying an apple a day keeps a doctor away it's just not like a it it comes from somewhere that is true (laughs) yes um speaking of low glycemic index Mm -hmm. uh what about sugar that's my favorite subject (laughs) yes sugar definitely not i'm sorry it's (laughs) really bad um for your body um, any kind of sugars, added sugars, whatever kind of sugar, they're not good. Even like, um, like even like um, those um, artificial sweeteners um, are not good like either. Splenda. Like Splenda, I know, <laughs> because uh, Splenda, um, what happens is that it um, alters other hormones that um, affects your 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 um, desire, like feeling full, and so it makes people actually feel hungrier. Mm. So, yeah, those those are not good. So, you know, if you really, really want to sweeten things up, um, and then again, you know, if you are someone who eats sugar all the time, don't go and call turkey sugar because mm. you're going to fail. I promise mm. you, you're going to fail. If you want to start the change, do one little thing at a time. Or in okay. over time, you know, I used to be, um, I drink coffee, so I used to be like ha- half milk, half coffee, two spoons of sugar. That's how I used to drink my coffee. And over time in the past, maybe eight, 10 years, I just have black, dark coffee. But it was, I know, yes. But it was a process, you know, it took me a long time to get there. (laughs) And now what what has happened, which is interesting is because my, my palate has changed. If I put sugar, it, even if it's just like a half a spoon, it tastes like syrup. Mm. I, I just, you know, don't. Now I do like cookies and I like cakes and mm-hmm. I still have ice cream. Um, I cannot, I mean, I, I, I cannot just like, totally, yeah. yeah. But overall I have, I have changed my, the way how I eat. Mm-hmm. 
through the years yes okay all right so there's hope there's hope for me there is hope for everyone <laughs> yes yeah. yeah so you mentioned coffee um let's talk about coffee and tea like what are the benefits of those incorporating those mm -hmm. into a person's um, nutrition yeah so um green tea very healthy it has a lot of antioxidants um you know um, if you want to have like good energy, um, green tea is really a, a, the best, probably the best one to go. Coffee is good. Um, I know that there has been some controversies over coffee not being good for your body. And some people say it is good and all of these. But, you know, the more and more we have research coming up, actually coffee is not that bad. Um, and it also depends on your genetics. You know, there mm. are people who really they cannot tolerate coffee um, and they get like side effects really like with just like a sip of coffee um and so but again everything in moderation right mm -hmm. it's not like go have 10 cups of coffee <laughs> but one cup of coffee actually um is, is good overall for your health um, and that's what we have been hearing you know in the past few years uh, in terms of caffeine consumption Okay. So one cup of coffee, maybe not half creamer. <laughs> yes, avoid the creamer, avoid the sugar. Um, I mean, there's um, other options that are healthier, like coconut creamers they have, mm. or they have oatmeal creamers. Um, and then again, um, if you really, really want to start changing on the, on the sweet, um, I know some people will use stevia. Um, mm. Stevia is probably the one that it's, it's the best. But I also know that some people would say, but Stevie has an aftertaste. Mm. It does. So, um, you know, you can try it and see how it goes for you. Yeah. All right, all right. So, um, growing up Adventist, um, yeah. I like it was definitely drilled in my head, like you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't drink. So I don't drink. Yes. Um, I really don't have a palate for alcohol. I really don't know how people get it down, but I have a lot of friends that drink and I'm wondering how alcohol over time affects a person's nutrition. Yes, so really um, ideally we want to do interventions that are gonna aim to reducing or even stopping um, drinking alcohol. Um, I, I read it, I was reading an article a couple of months um, the article, basically they were doing like brain scans, some people that were drinking alcohol and the study showed that in regardless of how much you drank, even if it was like a little bit occasionally or whatever, they showed that everyone across the border who were drinking, they had some degree of shrinking in the brain. Now that is just an image. It did not talk about if it affected their cognition. It didn't talk how that reflected in people's lives, but you know, there's that one study that maybe I am keeping up in the back of my head. Um, we know that alcohol really is not good, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, everybody's going to pick and choose what they're going to do with their lives. Um, if people are going to drink, and this is in the Mediterranean diet, they actually said it's okay to drink. And they're talking about is the red wine because the red wine has something called resveratrol. Um, and resveratrol is also something that is anti-aging and is healthy. Um, we know that people who, like people from the Mediterranean, they do drink wine. Uh, but again, you know, um, it's something that I, you know, if you're going to drink, that's on you. I would never like encourage you to have a drink. But if you enjoy having a drink now and then, 
like New Year's cheers champagne, I don't think really that's going to be harmful. Um, but you know, that's again, like you said, it's a personal decision. But you know, we always, when we talk to our patients, we want to either um, talked about reducing or even stopping um, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, um, with the red wine, a glass, maybe not four, five, six. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, uh, in my, yeah, absolutely, moderation. So, um, I think so for men, they can have two, six ounces um, a day um, before age 65. And for women, always only one, six ounce, and that's it, no matter the age. Okay. All right. So um, one thing I wanted to bring up was sleep. How does sleep impact dementia? Yeah. So sleep, actually insomnia is a risk factor to develop dementia. When we are sleeping, what is happening is that your brain, when you're sleeping, is getting rid of those proteins that I mentioned before, like the beta amyloid protein is getting rid of that toxic waste. Mm. So when you don't sleep, you're accumulating that toxic waste and that can increase your risk um, to develop dementia when you get older. So sleep is is one of the most important things in your life that you really have to be very attentive to. And right now we are I say we're living on an epidemic of sleeplessness mm-hmm. and it's actually a badge of honor. Oh, I just slept five hours and here I am working. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really bad because we need to have seven to eight hours of sleep in order or to keep our brains and our body healthy and functioning. Can I split that up? Um, no, you want to really do it, con- you know, like throughout the night. So se- six to eight hours. Um, if you sleep six hours at night, you could take a power nap during the day, but in 24 hours, you don't want to sleep more than eight hours. Also sleeping too much is bad. Mm. Um, and people who sleep 10 hours or more are at higher risk of dying early or sooner in life. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. Not too much, not too little. Well, I'm going to be waking up Patrick every so often now. Like, wake up, wake up. I'm saving your life. I'm saving your life. (laughs) Now, for people who have dementia, it's different, right? Because when they have dementia, right, remember their brain cells are dying. So they are going to be very tired. Mm. And normally, two things can happen. They can sleep a lot, right? Mm. They can sleep 14 hours, 15 hours. Or they can, their sleep cycle can be totally opposite and they sleep all day and they're up all night. Yep. (laughs) So when that happens, the recommendation is always, if you can, to hire someone to be with them during the night awake because um, you don't want to force them to have your regular sleep cycle because what that's going to do is cause a lot of problems, side effects and, you know, not good things. Yeah, okay. exactly. Great, so the there's last... my risk factor. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing I want to talk about is improving your guts. How does that help with dementia or preventing um, Alzheimer's? Yeah, so, you know, nowadays there is a, a lot, a big movement on um, 
on um, a gut microbiome, right? So we have learned so much know about the gut microbiome and the link between the brain and, and, and the gut. So when we are in utero and we're forming, a lot of the, when, when we start to form the body, a lot of the brain cells actually stays in your gut. So mm -hmm. we say that the gut is your second brain. Um, okay. And that is why a lot of patients who have like, like mood disorders, they also concomitantly have a lot of uh, gastrointestinal problems. Mm. And the reason I was because we have neurons in the gut um, and then we have serotonin in the gut. Okay. Um, so our gut is populated by bacterias and they're good bacterias. That's what we call the microbiome. And the foods that we eat can kill or harm those gut micro, you know, bacteria that makes our gut to be healthy. So now there is a lot of push on, you know, on the microbiome and the best way to go about that is again, it's all about your food, what you're choosing to eat, because if you have a healthy gut that can also, you know, affect your mood and, you know, and it make you feel better overall. Um, and so we have more and more studies coming out that talks about the links between the microbiome and, and in your brain. I not very, I don't know in detail much about this area, but I know that is something that we're getting a lot of data now. Yeah. So fun fact, our gut contains 40,000 billion bacteria. Mm -hmm. That is a lot, but you said it was healthy bacteria. It's good bacteria. Yes. Good, yeah. Yes. Healthy. It's, it's, it's bacteria that you absolutely need. You want to keep that bacteria happy. And we can do that by our vitamin intakes, like vitamin A, D, zinc, iodine. And just by eating eating whole foods and avoiding processed foods. Mm -hmm. So um, there are something called the prebiotics and the probiotics. So the prebiotics are, are those things that causes the environment to be good for them. So one of the ones that are that is very good is kimchi. I don't like it but it's really good for your gut microbiome. Banana is a good prebiotic. Um, so there is a lot of foods that are, you know, things that are like uh, pickles, things that are pickled are good for your microbiome. Sauerkraut is very good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now I want pickles. Okay, I'll, I'll try more sauerkraut. <laughs> Just pickles. Um, okay, I know I said that was the last thing I want to talk about, but there is one more. There is one more. Right. What about challenging your brain? Yes. Okay, I'm glad you asked this. So people think, they would say, I, I say, what are you doing to stimulate your brain? Oh, I play crossword puzzles. Okay, you've been doing this for years. That's not challenging your brain. I'm sorry. Mm. Challenging your brain means doing something that you have never, ever done in your life. Okay. Um, so for example learn to play an instrument if you have never done that um learn how to draw if you have never done that okay. maybe if you have never done a crossword puzzle maybe for you that's a good thing but it has to do some, learn a, a new language is super good for the brain um and some people say well when i try to learn something new my heart hurts yes that means your brain <laughs> is working that's good so um, yeah, it's 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 not about doing something that you have done repeatedly. Mm. It's doing about something totally new for you. Interesting. So I'm a game player at heart. Like I love playing games and learning new games. So 
playing games would not be like a preventive measure for me. No, because you're you're a master at that. You're an expert. Okay. Yes. Okay. No, that's not going to help you. There okay. are, you know, there are some, um, you know, like if you have someone who is worried about about their cognition, um, there are some things that there are some websites that um, they have like brain exercises for cognition. Mm -hmm. And the one that I usually recommend to my patients is called Lumosity. Um, and Lumosity, it's, they go there and they actually have like uh, attention, focusing, um, processing speed, memory, and, and then they can track it and they give them the results and then they can improve and they can see they're improving on each cognition. It's really cool. Um, you know? Yeah. You know, I just looked it up because it sounded familiar. I, I tried it when it like right around when it like first started trying to like gain popularity. Mm -hmm. I remember that. That sounded familiar. Yeah. I'll link it down below. So if anyone does want to try it, uh, check it out. It'll be in the show description. So they yeah. can. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. So thank you so much for coming on our podcast today and talking to us about this very important matter. Um, like you said, there's so many different ways mm -hmm. to um, prevent um, not just dementia, but like hypertension and diabetes and stuff by doing some of the same thing. Mm -hmm. that we talked about today yeah um if people want to get a hold of you and want to talk to you about this subject or any other subject what would be the best way for them to contact you so um you can email me um my email is carolina.osorio o-s-o-r-i-o m-d at gmail.com awesome and of course as always those things will be down in our show description to make it easy for anyone um but yeah thank you so much for joining us today i've Absolutely. learned so much uh there's some stuff that i already knew but there's some like new information new insight that i'm gonna take with me um so i know that you are busy as a doctor but uh, is there anything that you uh just want to share with us that you're working on or some maybe something you want to brag about you know just to share yes, if you want I can, um i can brag about okay i don't know if i have it here okay i wrote a book what wow <laughs> it's called stop freaking about retiring about retirement uh-huh um because i you know had a um, couple of patients that came to me um because they were um, struggling with anxiety. Um, and I was like, well, there's like maybe two or three who came um, to see him as a psychiatrist, but I can only imagine how, how much are out there that are not necessarily to the point to see a psychiatrist, but maybe they're really struggling with the whole concept of retiring. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the book, Stop Freaking Out About Retirement. Um, it's on Amazon. Um, and, you know, I had, I had I had individuals reading the book and they would say, actually, this can apply for any many other things. It's like a little self-help book mm -hmm. um, that talks about the bio, biopsychosocial spiritual um, components of you know of how to approach in life at a different stage. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I guess anyone can read it and, and use it in different ways. But it's a little little easy self-help book and um and uh, it's out there if you want to get it and read it 
All right. That's awesome. Yeah, and of course, that'll be linked down below. Go Absolutely. buy the book. Check out the book. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Buy the book. If you watch this, you have to buy the book. No, I'm just yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, buy the book. You're contractually obligated by listening to this podcast um, <laughs> to go buy the book. <laughs> All right. And then, um, is there anything you would just want to share from your heart? It could be about today's subject. It doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah. So, anything. yeah. So, I, I, I'm very passionate about this topic because, um, I, I, I believe, and I strongly believe that we can all grow together and get together to have, like, I, I see myself aging as a beautiful process. And um, I feel like, unfortunately, the society has twisted that, mm -hmm. like, you know, anti-aging and whatever, but aging is absolutely beautiful and you can do it with grace. And if you take care of yourself, you can grace beautifully. You can live long lives, happy lives, you know, and, and for me, this is something that I'm very passionate about. I really want to get to that stage, um, living a very good, healthy life um, and surrounded by people that um, are important to me in my life. And I want to spread this around, you know, my close circle, around anyone who comes across in contact with me. I am myself. I'm also um, Christian. And so I know like God has used me as an instrument to, you know, bring um, positivity in, in this area of aging um, in the world where there is so much negativity. So this is really something that is very, very deep to me and very important. All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for departing your wisdom and your knowledge and your expertise. We really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Today's life lesson is the benefits of awareness. Jim Carter once said, the awareness that health is dependent upon habits that we control makes us the first generation in history to a large extent to determine its own destiny. Awareness gives us the power to influence outcome. It helps us to become better decision makers. It gives us more self-confidence. So as a result, we can continue to communicate with clarity and intention. It allows us to understand things from multiple perspectives. It frees us from our assumptions and biases. It's a habit and a skill worth developing. And that is today's Life Lesson. This has been the Lamont and Leia podcast. Created by Lamont Damon and Leia Nakahiki. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Carolina Osario. This topic was brought to light by me, Leia Nakahiki. This episode was also edited by Leia Nakahiki. I'm doing everything today. <laughs> Special thanks to Dream Wars for our music. Let us know what you thought of our show or give us some topic suggestions by sending us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, did you know you could watch our show on YouTube and Facebook? Link to both can be found in the show description. Consider supporting our podcast. Check out our Anchor page for more info. And as always, thank you for listening. 
Bye. Bye.